0: we'll jump in with a word of prayer and we'll get us going dear lord i thank you father for these men i thank you for this morning i thank you for a day that's a gift to us a day that we'll never see again let us be faithful and responsible with it father grow us up as men after your own heart in jesus name amen all right we've been going through a, a little series here called The Balanced Life. I've been talking about um, Christian finances, not just finances, but Christian finances. And a couple of things just uh, uh, to kind of preclude this message is, is this, that I'm not teaching this so that you give more. I am teaching this, though, so that our hearts become transformed to be givers, not just financially, but in the way that we live our life because Jesus said a couple of things about being a giver. He said it's more blessed to what? To give than to receive, right? And so, as we are responsible with this day, then our lives will be lives that are that that portray Jesus, and they give, and they, and we give out of our abilities, we give out of our talents, we give out of our uh, uh, well-being, we give out of our finances as well. So, I've been talking about uh, one of the ways that we we are unable to give is when we are so enslaved financially that uh, we have to to work not one job, not two jobs, sometimes three jobs. You ever? been in that situation. You ever said, okay, I got a car payment, it's $350 a month, uh, so if I could just find a little job on the side to just pick that, that car payment up, you know, but we need the car. That's, that's kind of a common thing I hear. It, there's a worse one I'm going to talk about here in just a moment. But we tend to enslave ourselves because our culture out here says that we need to have everything and we need to have it right now, and because of that, we're willing to go into debt. Instead of, like my dad used to do, my dad used to say, Curtis, uh, what what you find to buy is great. But if you don't have the money, uh, you will not get it bought. Now, if I, if you can raise half of it, then I will attempt to raise the other half for you. So that's kind of how we started. Now, this is when I was really young. I was probably about eight, nine years old. So uh, he paid me $1 a row to hoe cotton. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot. Hopefully they were short rows. I wasn't smart enough to know that, Wade. <laughs> I think Dad really had me. You know, $12 a day was a good payday back in that, that time. I remember I wanted a pair of uh, roller skates. And so uh, we back then you had these things called catalogs, like Sears catalog. And, and we'd go in and circle some things, you know, our wants, right? Not necessarily needs, but wants. And, and uh, uh, my, my mom was a, a great skaters she grew up you know in the 50s and 60s where they used to go to skating rinks and and do that well Plainview had a skating rink and for our birthdays a lot of times she would take us up there and then we started realizing recognizing they sell these skates you know that are actually comfortable you rather than rent them and I remember saving up and dad would just say well you just need to just hoe out some more rows just hoe out some more rows you know and I I would just hoe out some more rows and I saved up and once I got I think they were like 50 bucks even back in the day, and uh uh, so I saved up $25 and then dad met me there with his 25 and I got me a new pair of roller skates. Now, funny story that kind of has nothing to do with this. Uh, when we moved here to Amarillo, uh, what, 2010, eight years ago, when we moved here, we, uh, one of the kids had birthday and I told him, I said, let's go, let's go roller skating. And I don't know if y'all know there's a skating ring over here, uh, you know, just off Sauncy or Coulter or whatever it is. And so, Yeah, so it went over there to the skating rink, and we, we were having a birthday party for one of the kids, so a lot of their friends were coming. They didn't have many at that time, probably seven or eight friends, along with our family is a lot. And I pulled out my golden bag. I did. And the rest of the story, you'll have to ask Allison about it. She didn't even know that I had the golden bag. And contained in it were some skates that, boy, she was impressed. Anyway, so... Man, we want to get to that place in our life, right, where we're free financially, where uh, debt doesn't have us. You know, the first the first week, I kind of encourage you to start spying on your finances. Start looking at where your money goes. One of the ways to trace your money and and to know kind of where you are is to pay attention to your receipts. So as you keep those receipts, you're able to go in and say, hey, this is where a big majority or vast majority of my money goes. And, and for me, even doing this, I'm just telling you, I'm processing this as I'm speaking to you because... Uh, my kids need braces. I mean, we're in, a, we're, we're in a place, too, where we're having to reexamine. And, and uh, every new year, I always redo our budget. doesn't mean we stick to it. But one of the things I'm finding is we spend way too much money going out to eat. I mean, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches would save us a fortune right now. The second week, I talked about the clear objective and basically uh, uh, talk to you that, that we have to have a clear objective. We, we really need, you know, as as young men, uh, you guys, y- y'all are in a, in a great place to hear a message like this because if you'll pay attention to it, it'll make all the difference in your life. I mean, by the time you're my age, uh, you know, in 20, 25 years, if uh, if you really manage your funds right, uh, you'll do what you want when you're my age. And uh, I wish I would have known that. Anyway, but I am doing what I want, by the way, just, just so you know. But we having that clear objective, having that goal, those goals. And today I want to talk about the monsters we create, all right? Because the monsters that we create, uh, I had a man tell me one time in ministry, this is years ago, uh, when I was a youth director, uh, my senior pastor uh, just said, Curtis, uh, you really just have one problem. Um, And let me tell you what it is. You create monsters that eat you. And meaning that uh, I, I, I... If you looked at my schedule when I was a youth director, we met on Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, a lot of times, you know, we had huge ski trips. Um, The last ski trip we took 120-something junior high with three of the big long buses and several, anyway, just create monsters that would eat me. You know, just say yes to everything. Oh, you you want to do that ministry? Let's do it. Let's find a way. So I was busy, busy, busy. Allison was so grateful when I became a pastor instead of a youth director, I'll tell you that but we were busy creating these monsters that eat us. Sometimes all of us do this. Sometimes we create financial monsters that eventually begin to, to chop down on us and begin to eat us. So our money, our approach to money is many times shaped by our childhood. Uh, we tend to react to things we grew up with. So I shared with you an early story of my life about buying the skates, right? Um, you know, Alice and I here a while back, uh, we, we went by a red box and and we were renting a, a movie for the night, and this man comes up. He's got baggy pants on, and he's got uh, a long shirt on. I mean, he's, he's, he's got baggy pants, but he's got them pulled down. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, thanks. Thanks. I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know what you, anyway, he showed up on the scene, right? And, and he had his nine-year-old boy. I asked his son, I said, how old are you? And he, he told me he was nine. He had his nine-year-old son, and um. Basically the dad said, Hey, you know, I'm I'm hard on my luck right now. We're we're out here in the car and I was just wondering, you know, if you could if you could help me out, you know. And I said, Well, how much do you need? I, I, I don't carry much cash at all. So so what do you need? I, you know, I give you what, what little dab I had. He said, Oh, just just anything will help, you know. But in actuality what I wanted to say is, you need to pull your pants up and go get a job. Okay. I don't know why that's in here. But I didn't say it because he had his son there. And his son is watching his dad. And now his dad is making it through life, through one poor choice after another. Now, I'm not saying that people can't fall on hard times. I've been that guy. But I am saying that, hey, you know, uh, it's like I, I shared with you before. My dad always said, when you go to the bank, you don't want to look like you need money. Right? It's the same thing here. Pull your pants up and go get a job. My heart broke for his son. This is the truth. The truth is that our childhoods are oftentimes or our, our, our money, our thoughts are formed early on in our childhood years that we, we learn to, uh, to, to live a life of responsibility or we learn irresponsible ways of living. And you got to pay attention because others are paying attention to you. So in your goals. See, I have ministry goals every year, um, and they include our finances. I have a giving goal, church, mission, support, a savings goal. Of course, most of us do, but it's because I'm hoping and praying that one day that I will be able to honor God in a bigger way with my finances. But when when we create these monsters in our life with finances, it can become very dangerous. When we create these debt monsters out there what is affected is our ability to give to people in need, to give in a way that would help them understand, to give in a way that would, would encourage the church to grow, to expand. I know even just, just moving here and what it took to purchase this facility, and, and uh, many of you gave far above and beyond uh, just so that we would be able to back then We were given something that looked much different than what we're in today, right? So here's the thing. There's two camps you can attend in life. The first one is this. You can work and save your way into a higher standard of living. Or the second camp is this. You can borrow your way there. One is quick, one is slow, and only one brings peace. Only one brings peace. I've been on the debt side of things. I've talked to rich and poor that uh, are not in debt. And I'm going to tell you, not being in debt, whether you're rich or poor, is the best way to live life because debt is a monster that will eat you. It's tough to be balanced or to honor God if you're enslaved financially. When God was establishing Israel as a nation, I put this in here last night, He made several conditional promises. They were conditioned on Israel's obedience to God. And you can go and read about this in Deuteronomy. But one sign of God's blessing was the ability to lend money, but not have to borrow it. So Deuteronomy twenty-eight twelve. this is what the Lord says. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. That's a strong, strong deal. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be the banker, have the ability, right, at least, at least uh ha- have a little bit of interest on my money. Borrowing was evidence that things were going poorly. used to be that way here. You know, like I said, my dad used to say, if you must borrow the money, uh, don't go to the bank looking like you need it. We live in a culture now that says, wow, things are going so well for you, you can behave like a person for whom things are not going well. Eventually, they won't be. In other words, we live in a culture that says, hey, uh, you need things and you need them now. You deserve it. We hear that all the time. God basically says it's better to make interest than to pay interest. That's what he's telling the people, his, his people here, the Israelites. Proverbs 22, 7 says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. I memorized that scripture years ago. So we got to talk about a couple things, man. And we got time to talk about them. One is debt. Is there any type of debt that is okay? Yeah, wink. <laughs> right, right, and, and that's exactly right. So um, going through uh, Dave Ramsey, we used to uh, uh, have those classes offered every semester there in Wolforth and... Uh, That is one of the things that he says. Um, He also uh, says certain types of business debts, right, are okay because they're going to have a return based upon um, um, the business and the business type that it is as long as you don't get out of bounds with your business debt. So uh, business debt basically has the potential to create value. Consumer debt, though, consumer debt generally does not and so normally, where we need to correct is really in our consumerism. I Man, it's it it's not. I, I've got a mortgage. I mean, I and I look at it and go, how in the world, right? If I had that much money, you ever do that? <laughs> anyway, you don't. Maybe you don't. Many of us would agree. You know that there is some types of just justifiable debt. House. Uh, I put in here cheap money, cattle business. I'll give you an example of cheap money years ago, uh, my senior year in college. Uh, finally, of course, I was, the Army was still paying me, and they had to reimburse me quite a bit of money. Uh, they didn't pay me for about a year and a half, and so uh, when all that money came in, and I was in my last semester of college by this time, and, and so, uh, but I was, I was eligible for a student loan. So this is how smart I was. I was thinking a student loan, okay, two and a half percent, somewhere around there. Uh, I'm going to go and take out the maximum, and I'm going to go buy a bunch of cattle, a bunch of calves, and throw them out on wheat pasture. It was a great idea. It was cheap money. And so I did it. Anyway, I paid that debt off about 10 years ago. We didn't get any rain that year, and it was very tough. And I was like, why did I do this, right? But it was it was trying, all right? So we tend to say there's justifiable debt. That's what I call cheap money. Uh, house, uh, cattle businesses, right, uh, that's that's kind of how it runs. At one time, when I was running Wheat pasture Cows, I had a $100,000 line of credit where we'd, you know, because I was buying calves all the time. Now, to go get a $100,000 line of credit, you can't hardly make it happen. But back then, it was signing a couple of pieces of paper, and they said, okay, you know, do good with it. Um, it's not that way anymore. So if you've ever owned a business and had a bank that knew nothing about your business tell you how to run your business, uh, you know, sometimes that can be dangerous. I can tell you that, that even running with this $100,000 line of credit, it sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money when you've got to pay it back. But at the time, it sounded like a great deal. Uh, at one particular time, I had three bankers in one year. Two of those bankers required me to make a payment on the note which is unheard of in the cattle business because you only sell calves once, or I only sold calves once a year. I uh, had 187 mamas at that time, and uh, I can tell you that when we moved here, had it not been for the Lord taking care of me and selling the house in Woolworth for what it sold for, uh, we'd still be paying on that debt. <laughs> Bless God, right? So here's the thing. Debt is dangerous, and it's a concern to God because often, oftentimes debt is not the result of need as much as it is, as much as it is a result of lack of control, lack of discipline. The scripture says this, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is of little profit, but godliness is profitable in all things, since it holds the promise for the present life and also the life to come. I don't know where that is, but that's in scripture. I've read it before. First Timothy 4, 7, and 8. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is of little profit, but godliness is profitable in all things. Because it holds the promise for the present life and also the life to come. And when I when I look at that scripture, he's talking about uh, a physical discipline, but also a physical discipline eventually will take us to a place, men, of of being disciplined financially. And if it holds the promise for the present life and the life to come, let me ask you this: How could your money, how could your money impact the life to come, or the lives to come? you ever think of it this way in old testament scripture uh, the grandfathers would leave an inheritance even all the way to the second generation to their grandchildren some even beyond so when i think about the present life and the life to come the life to come may be the lives to come in the in the church world when we uh, I had a missionary I was telling Brett yesterday, hey, we need to get a check ready. I want to send it over to this me- missionary, kind of going through, through some things. In the church world, when we give, then it impacts so much more than what we can physically see, and it impacts the generations oftentimes to come. So this missionary is going to lead children to Jesus, and guess what? Uh, it's, it's through people's giving offering that that's able to do so when we talk about this life and the life to come or the lives to come those who come up behind us those who come up underneath us if you will see lack of self-control is dangerous it's a character issue i've just got to have it but you didn't even know there wasn't it to go get it before you saw it that's just me typing and i don't even know i understand it either okay but isn't that how it is? That, that's kind of how we're tempted because we didn't realize there wasn't it until we saw it and then we had to have it. And so sometimes we just don't have the control. It's, it's that lack of, of self-control. Here's your choice. Either you control you or the credit card company or credit union uh, will control you or control us. Proverbs twenty five twenty eight: Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. anybody go to the gym and work out yeah wink okay cool Who? yeah Johnny Johnny look at you Johnny so um yeah a couple of years ago I like to be that guy um but here's here's what happens is that you know when you control yourself in one area what you'll find is you become stronger in other areas of your life as well does that make sense and so when you discipline yourself in one area, so what would be some spiritual disciplines that could really help us? Well, reading your Bible, um, praying, meditation, I like to say, all those spiritual disciplines, journaling, all those things are really helping you become stronger in your self-discipline in other areas of your life. You'll begin to say, those who work out, I know back when I was really pushing hard two, three years ago, um, I had set some goals that I wanted to achieve and... and uh, I wish I were still on that track. But this is what I do know, that I became disciplined in what? In my eating. Far more disciplined in my eating. Because you, get to pay and you start paying attention in one area of your life, and it helps bleed over where you pay attention in other areas of your life. Here, Solomon is saying that like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. So if we can get self-control in one area, I just want to tell you, it will bleed over into other areas. And you begin to to get those walls back up. You you become strong again. When you lack self-control, somebody will invade you and take control. And then you are conquered. Here's the last negative thing about debt, is that it impacts your ability to be generous. Debt impacts your ability to be generous. Is it odd to you that you can't give more to people in need because you owe on things that you don't need? <laughs> you ever think of that? Now, as I'm writing this and going through it, I'm I'm going, man, I'm I'm under conviction. You know, God nudges you to give. Visa nudges you to pay. Visa wins. That's why I use Mastercard, but that's that's none your business. All right. Discover at least pays you back. Generosity requires margin. That's just the truth, man. Generosity requires margin in our lives. Debt means that that we have no margin, that we absolutely have no margin. Proverbs 21.20, The wise store up choice food and oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Proverbs 21.20. So if you're going to be balanced, you have to begin to address your monsters in your life. And we're, since we're talking about finances, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now. Um, one of the monsters in our life, of course, is definitely debt. We tend to drift in it. And then what do we have to do? We have to claw our way out of it. So uh, there is, there are a couple of things, just just I, I hate to not have some type of application for us. Um, a couple of things as we, as we look at this and kind of sum it up um, there's there's a website out there. It's called ReadyForZero.com. You can go to that and look at it, and it kind of gives some suggestions, some ideas, some corrections. Because we've been talking about the balanced life, and to have a balance, to anything, for anything to have balance, it's got to have constant correction. And so there's a website for you. There's also uh, Dave Ramsey, and I do have his materials back in the back. Tom Moore over here. Is a financial planner. He's at this table, Tom. If you raise your hand, he has volunteered his services, his time, his energy to sit with you if you need to sit with him, and uh, uh, he just wants to help. So, uh, uh, minister of the gospel as well. So, so there you are. There's there's some some things, ways to apply. It's not complicated, but it does take time. It takes discipline. It takes accountability to God and sometimes it takes accountability possibly to others I talked to you early on when Alice and I first got married uh, I had two accountability brothers that we every week took out our checkbook set them in the middle of the table and then we went through one another's checks and the checks that they had written just to make sure that the first check that was written was to the Lord and after that um, sometimes I say Curtis really did you need that I mean your horses don't have to have all that bling on but anyway right but there's an accountability when we come together uh, and, and look at this because ultimately we're just simply stewards, men. We're simply, so we had the youth out at our house the other night, and, and uh, some of the parents were out there as well. And one of the parents came up to me and said, Curtis, man, y'all have just a, a great place. I said, Well, you do too because we're just stewards of this place. It's a great place to let the kids run around and play and, and all, but uh, uh, it really belongs to, to the Lord. We're just simply stewards of it. So, couple of other things, so it takes time, discipline, accountability to God and possibly others. Um, learn to get on your knees, surrender your finances to Jesus for sure. Um, pay attention to the monsters in your life. Pray over them, cast them out, whatever you need to do, right? As I said earlier, either you control you or the credit card, card company or something or someone else, a bank or something else will begin to control you. But we can surrender our control to our Heavenly Father. And as we do that, He begins to show us the next generation. And He begins to show us what it means to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. Not just for this life, but for the life to come. Remember, I've said this over and over, you can't be balanced and enslaved to debt and serve God in the proper way. So regardless of how deep you are in, how hopeless it seems, maybe today you take the first step to clawing your way out can you find some accountability are you willing to surrender because this is what I know about the church men that we make enough money to feed the world every day that's how much comes into the church far more than that if you want to know the truth the, the, the local church I'll say this I've said this my whole life that I've preached anyway the local church is the hope for the world it's not the government it's us so that's why we really need to pay attention and, and start looking at, at providing margin. And people say, Curtis, that's easy for you because you're a pastor. It's true, I make all the money, okay, guys? But it's difficult. <laughs> yeah, you know what it is, right? I mean, uh, so, so in that, uh, <laughs> I, I, I will say, I heard a pastor one time say, you know what, people have an expectation that pastors take a vow of poverty and should take a vow of poverty. Uh, and then he, he stepped up, but he said, what's the gospel worth to you? Would you give every ounce of gold that you ever had to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? And, and he, he kind of flipped me on my head because I, I had really thought I'd taken on a vow of poverty. And uh, no, I've taken on a vow of responsibility. And that's what God calls us to. Uh, responsibility with souls, but also responsibility in other areas and disciplines in my life as well. So, it's the same for you. I mean, you're you're we're all shepherds to some degree, for sure. So, men, uh, that's what this is: is a call to responsibility, a call to successful living, a call to margin in your life, um, a call to get excited if you're young, man. So true. And we live in a world that that teaches us irresponsibility constantly, create monsters for us. You gotta have this. You gotta have this. You gotta have this, and uh, we live in that. Um, I, I've also heard it said, you know, it's okay to have things as long as those things don't have you. And uh, uh, so, we're not after anyone here, as far as any of that goes. I've, I've said many times, you know, when I came into pastoring uh, at Happy Texas, they paid eleven hundred a month, and I felt terrible for taking it because I saw the finance committee trying to find ways of paying that. It was difficult for that church to pay that to begin with. We got out of that place, but to begin with, that's where we were. And, um, you know, so all of us have, have you heard my story of, of being in HUD housing. All of us have been probably down some roads and uh, don't ever want to go back there. But it's not just our children watching. Men, we are the leaders everyone should be looking at us and saying, wow, look at the men of harvest or the men of God or even the men of the body of Christ and uh, look how disciplined and how well they lead. Because in the world, it's not being led that way, I'm just telling you. There's huge debts. Uh, I, I remember visiting with a family at Wolfworth, going over to their new house. They just built like a 3,400-square-foot home the year before, Went in there and they didn't even have furniture. I was like, "My goodness, are you serious?" Man, I'd rather have me some nice furniture and sleep in a treehouse and be on that air mattress. But you know, you do what you got to do, right? Now today they're not; they're still friends of ours, and they're not in that situation. But uh, it just they, they were oversold. It happens; it just happens. Father God, thank you, Lord, for these men. Uh, Father, that's right. Our our children and others watch our footsteps and 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 look to put their feet right there in our tracks father and i pray that our tracks are worthy and i pray that our tracks would lead them straight to you jesus that's the most important thing father may we steward life and steward it well in jesus name amen